Let's read the eighth lesson together. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, every once in a while, uh, someone will make a discovery or articulate a truth that makes us as a people rethink everything uh, in light of it. Usually we think of these things in terms of science. Uh, Copernicus figured out that the sun is a fixed body around which the earth orbits. About a hundred years later, Newton figured out that gravity was the force that made the earth do that and all the other planets with it. Pasteur figured out that disease is caused by microorganisms and that this bacteria could often be killed by using simple methods. Watson and Crick figured out the double helix structure of the DNA that creates instructions for our bodies to carry out. And if you think about those things, you realize they weren't just really interesting observations. They were epic-making discoveries that changed the way we think about ourselves and that changed the way that we think about the world we live in. And obviously, it's pretty difficult to rank uh, which human discovery uh, has been the most important. But if uh, profound shock and reconsideration of our very foundations are the measurement, I think it becomes easier. Um, in 1980, when I was only eight years old, the world discovered together that Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father. <laughs> Huge shock. Nothing was the same after that. And I bring this kind of thing up because that is precisely the way the Apostle John presents the advent of Jesus in the first few verses of his gospel that we just read together. Instead of telling the story of Jesus' advent like the other gospel writers do, John skips all of the angel choirs, the shepherds, the magi, the two scared kids making a hard trip to Bethlehem. Instead of that story, John gives us the whole story of absolutely everything. He gives us the true story of the world. He unravels the mystery of God and who he is and how people like us can know him. He unravels the mystery of who we are and who we're meant to be. He unravels the mystery of where everything that we can see and even the things that we can't see are ultimately headed. It's like sitting down to what you think is going to be an appetizer 
and then having all nine courses set in front of you from soup to nuts. It is audacious, and it is beautiful. And in doing it, John is saying, this is the truth. This is the truth under which all other truth finds its meaning. It is the truth which makes everything else that is true, true. Now, John signals he's going to do that from the very beginning, and you can easily see it if you compare it to the other gospel writers. Mark starts his story of Jesus with John the Baptist. Luke starts his story of Jesus with John the Baptist's parents. Matthew goes back even further, way back to the genealogy of Abraham. But John is not to be outdone, and he starts instead at the beginning of time as we know it. In the beginning, John says, was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So that's how John starts, by unraveling the mystery of who God is. He says it really simply, and he says it over and over and over again, lots of different ways in his gospel. And this is what he says, if people like us want to know who God is, we have to look at Jesus. You know, we can't start with our imagination of what God must be like. We can't start with uh, our culture's imagination of what a good God might be like. We can't even start with a really good philosophical sketch of what God must be like. Those things may or may not be helpful, but John wants to make sure that if they are true and the extent to which they are true, they're only true once they have found their meaning under the truth that gives meaning and shape to all other truth. He is pretty stubborn on this point. If we want to know who God is, we will have to listen to the word that he has spoken to us. And that word isn't a treatise or a monograph or a book or a piece of art. That word is a person, and his name is Jesus. Later on, this is how John will say it. He says, no one has ever seen God, but it is Jesus who makes him known. But even that's not enough for John. He moves from unraveling the mystery of who God is to unraveling the mystery of who we are. Who are we? Why are we here? To that, John says, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Those are two really dense sentences, incredibly dense. If we talked about them for the rest of our lives, we probably wouldn't get to the bottom of them. But on the surface, I think their meaning is clear. John is saying that Jesus is both the origin and the goal of the entire creation. As the Apostle Paul puts it slightly less cryptically, Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Put even more simply, John wants us to know that all of life is from God and all of life is for God. That is the meaning of your life and mine. That we are God's, we belong to him, and our life is meant for enjoying him and glorifying him in everything that we do, from the most mundane to the grandest. And when we do that, we find that we are fully human, in the way that we were created to be. That's what John means when he says that Jesus' life was the light of men. 
Some of you have probably heard this famous line from St. Augustine, or maybe you've heard someone say something like it. He was talking about human beings in his confessions, and he said this to God in the form of a prayer. He said, you have formed us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until we find our rest in you. It was John 1 that Augustine was reflecting on. It was this line about Jesus being the light of men, the life of men. It was this line that made him write that word. That is what we're here for, to find our rest, to find our meaning in the God who makes himself known to us in Jesus. So how do we know this Jesus? How do we hear and listen to this word? Well, that is where the plane of John's prologue lands with a pretty loud and unexpected thud. We don't have to go off on a search because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We don't have to go looking for him because he came looking for us. It's the beauty of the incarnation of Jesus. And it points to the pulsing heartbeat that is underneath the mystery of who God is and underneath the mystery of who we are. That pulsing heartbeat is the white-hot love of God for people like us. Jesus as one of us for us so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be redeemed, so that we can live the life that we were made to live and love the things we were made to love, so that we can know who God is, so that we can know who we are. And to all who receive him, John says, to all who believe on his name, he gives the right to become the children of God, the true light, which gives light to everyone is coming into the world. Amen.